Well, this morning we are going to continue on in our 18-week series on um, the Holy Spirit, God's empowering presence. And uh, week three, we, we started off by saying, um, investigating who is the Holy Spirit. We, we started off week one saying, the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit is a person. And that should bring us great joy and comfort knowing that as God, the Holy Spirit is always with us. As a person, we can have a deep personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Last week, week two, we talked about... This is where the classroom participation comes in. The Holy Spirit. Good, Andy. Anybody else? Oh, Lord. What's that? What he does, specifically, got anything? Anything more? What's that? Yeah, the need to be born again. Born of the water and born of the spirit. Now, thank you. You get an extra, I don't know. You get to sit closer to the fan. Today, we're going to go one step further. For those of you who, who have missed out or feel like because of this, terrible exercise you have failed podcast listen to it this is this isn't just a sermon series this is us growing to come to know the holy spirit more deeply and intimately since uh probably for the past year and a half there's been something in the leadership saying you know something we there's something that's still missing as a church you know, yes, we don't have a building. You know, we don't have a gajillion people. We're not a mega church by any means. But there's something internally that, that's still missing. And that is, we're, we're coming to discover, we, we have been very good at understanding who is God as Father, Jesus Christ, God as Son, and His work that's been done on the cross. But for some reason, we as Protestants, we as a church, uh, the church in, in the North America just really... The third person of the Trinity is, we, we don't know. And it, it's kind of scary stuff. So take time, read. Uh, today we're going to be in Isaiah 44. Why don't you just quick flip open to Isaiah 44, 1 through 5. And we're going to be taking the next step there. But as we read scripture here, take notes. Uh, write down some of these these. Uh, other scripture references that I, I reference, memorize, become very familiar with. Because all these things are pointing to God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One of the privileges that I have as a uh, privileges, maybe I just take it upon myself, is that since we're a mobile church, I figure I've got to have a mobile office. And so my second office is Starbucks. And uh, that, that's done, one, because of out of addiction. I'll admit it. I do have a problem. Two, because I believe I see so many pastors, and having worked in a church as a youth pastor, you get your little cubby hole where, where you kind of plug in, and you do your work, do your church work, do your church work, and every once in a while people come in, and they, they meet and mingle with you, and then they leave, and then you go back to your work in your four little walls, and you miss that there are people outside of your building. And so this week, on, on Friday, I was kind of shoring up all the pieces of this morning. And uh, 
I noticed that there was just this strange thing going on on this particular Friday. People were like over the top nice. Over the top nice. And I've noticed it kind of on Fridays. You know, you think, you hear the, thank God it's Friday, the TGIF. Oh, thank God it's Friday. And there's this certain like, yeah, thank God it's Friday. I can't wait for the weekend. I can't wait for, but this weekend was like especially nice. How do I know? I got a gift card from Starbucks. Somebody said, oh, Paul, you know, every time I see you sitting here, I think about you. I appreciate your ministry. Here you go. I'm going, score. You know, that saves me five bucks right there. But there was just this, everybody talking about, so what are you doing this week? Oh, we're going to Michigan this weekend. You should come. If you don't, what about this? We're going swimming. Hey, do you got plans? What about, and there's just this real warm welcome about the weekend, especially this weekend, as it's extended for many people. And I was wondering, okay, why is that? Why are people on the weekends, generally speaking, there's always the crabby ones, generally, they're kinder. They're more loving. They're they're generous. There's a little bit more step in their, their walk. Why is that? And as I thought about it, it's, I believe, because people, there's a certain hope for something. There's a hope for the weekend. There's a hope for rest. There's a hope for getting together with friends and families and activities. There's a hope that they have. And out of that hope, there's, there's joy and excitement. And out of that overflow of joy and hope comes love and kindness. You're anticipating, even around, even though vacation sometimes can be stressful, if you're going away, there's that excitement of what's going to happen, where you're going to go, who you're going to see. And there's just this real electricity. And sometimes, as I look at the Church of Jesus Christ, Missio Day Church specifically, I wonder, is there a, a hope? a joy that is missing in our Sunday through Saturday? Is there just a real joy that is found every day of the week, seven seven days a week, 24 hours a day, a joy that we have in anticipating something? And out of that joy and that hope that we have, do we have a love for humanity. Such a deep, deep love that out of it, out of that overflow of the love that we have, people are naturally drawn to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, let's read the text for this morning. And then I'm going to do a little bit more because it feels like I'm going to do a long introduction and a short exposition. But Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44 says this. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, who I, am, who I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will, will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. I will pour water on thirsty land and streams on the dry grounds. 
I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessings upon your descendants. They will spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another one will call on the name of Jacob. And another one will write on his hand, the Lord's. And name himself by the name of Israel. Isaiah is sharing some information here. And talking to uh, the children of Israel. And you can see some very specific things about uh, what, what God believes about His children. And you see some beautiful promises about what is going to happen to His chosen ones, the faithful ones. He is going to pour out His Spirit on, on these descendants, these faithful ones. He is going to pour it out like water on dry grounds on the desert. He's going to just pour out this refreshing water on His people. And I'm thinking some of you can go, I can identify with that right now. I could identify with some cool, refreshing water. And Jesus is saying here, as he speaks through Scripture, the Spirit has inspired it, but these are God's words. All of Scripture is God-breathed. And it is therefore useful. He's saying some important things for us today about what does it mean for us, the body of Christ, to be Spirit-filled. To understand that our whole life, not just the weekends, are blessings. But our whole weeks, even even the, the pain of life, is to be beautiful. That do we really believe? Do we really believe that um, all the days are ordained by God? Do we believe that God is sovereign and that even the painful days are therefore part of His divine masterpiece, His His beautiful masterpiece, which finds its beauty and its completion and its hope in the cross at Calvary? See, the Holy Spirit has been poured out into our lives, therefore assuring us that if God did not spare His Son, then He will not spare any effort to guarantee for us the best and happiest future. God wants to provide the best for us. And this is not a Joel Olstein plug, your happiest life or whatever, your best life yet. This is, God is saying, listen, For those who are faithful, those who trust in me, have given their lives. Listen, I have the best and the happiest life in store for you. Even if right now you are saying, this is awful. Do we believe Romans 8.28 when it says that all things work together? All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Do we believe that joblessness? Do we believe that even in death? Do we even believe in war? That all things 
work together all things? Do we believe that even in in divorce and financial troubles, do we believe that even in the midst of all these things, even as painful and ugly and we don't understand them all, that all these things work together and God says, listen, I am sovereign. Do you trust me? Do we believe that even in our sufferings we are to rejoice? Like Romans 5 says, let us rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and tested character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Hope does not disappoint. And it's not the kind of hope hoping for the weekend. It's the anticipation, the waiting for, the true, the completion of all things. Do we, do we believe that hope does not disappoint? So what does all this have to do with the Holy Spirit? What does it have to do with the work of the Holy Spirit? And the, the answer is plain. Being filled with joy, being filled with joy by this river of hope overflows in a freedom to love. Let me say that again. Being filled with joy by the river of hope, being filled with joy by the river of hope that overflows into the freedom to love, all to the glory of God, this is what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are so filled with joy. When was, uh, and think about this, and we can be critical about Missio Dei, or whatever church you go to, when was the last time you have attended a worship service that is just filled with joy? So filled with joy that it overflows in the freedom to love people. Because it's based in our hope that what Jesus Christ has done is true. When's the last time you've attended a Bible study? Where you you show up and there is just such joy. Even if people's lives are falling apart, there is just such joy that is just overflowing and you're going, what in the world is going on here? You're going through a divorce. You've lost your job. You have no clue where you're going because you're a college student, but there's such joy here. And you know what? The love that is coming out of that joy because you feel secure in Jesus Christ because of that joy. You are loving people, deeply loving people. When was the last time we experienced that here on a Sunday morning? Where we have such deep joy. And men, you especially, deep joy, where where there's more than you crack a smile or a, how you doing? Where there's joy. Think about your wedding day. 
your wedding night, your, the celebration that took place there, the joy, the, the love that was in that room, was that the last time? Or maybe when you saw your child, that joy, maybe that was more fear. But you, you look deeply into that child's eyes and you go, oh, deep, deep joy. And the love that you have. Do we have that as a church, as a community of faith? If not, the question has got to be asked, why? Why, ha- why do, we not, do we not feel that deep joy? That therefore is rooted in hope that overflows in love for each other in this lost world. Why? Why is there not that kind of joy, hope, and love? My best guess is why we do not abound. It's because we do not understand, know the Holy Spirit. How do we abound in this hope? It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans, flip over to Romans 15. Those of you who have your Bible, Romans 15. Verse 13. Highlight, circle, get your pen out, do whatever you need to. But listen to this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. May the God of hope, you hear that name? He's the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. What a beautiful picture for the church. That the God of hope, the God who has provided hope for humanity, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that we may abound by the power of the Holy Spirit, abound in hope. So it's basically this sick, circular kind of thing. So you may abound so that you may have more. And so you may abound and you have more. So you may abound. It's like, oh, may I have more? Oh, may I have another? Oh, may I have some more? It's just this filling and filling. Oh, I'm abounding and I'm abounding again and I'm abounding again in hope. And out of that hope, what happens? I have more joy. Out of this joy, I have more love. Having a, a community of faith that is abounding in joy and abounding in love. Would that not be more attractive than anything else in this, than what this world has to offer? Romans 5, turn, your, turn to your left a little bit. Romans 5, verse 5, it says this, And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit 
has been given to us. Which means that the work of the Holy Spirit is to open our eyes to the the staggering implications of the love of God for our future, for our now, and therefore fills us with hope. How do we describe the key to the treasures, to the joy, to the hope, to the love of the Christian life? I believe we can simply just say the key is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And how can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? How can we experience, how can you experience this outpouring of the Holy Spirit on our church so that it fills us with just indescribable joy and frees us and empowers us to love those around us in just real and authentic ways so that they are one to Jesus Christ? Here's the answer. And I hope it doesn't sound too easy, too trite, or mystical. The answer is meditate day and night upon the hope-giving promises of God. If we believe that all of Scripture has been inspired and that in from Genesis to Revelation we find God's story of redemption and reconciliation and His His. His promises that we find in Isaiah 44, I'm getting there. If we believe that this is not, these are not just black and white, some of you have read or highlighted words, if they're not just words from a public library, but these are God's words, we are to meditate on them. Look to the promises that God has, and out of that, find great joy. Because we are constantly reminded and remembering what He has promised and what He will do and what He has done. Meditate on Scripture day and night. Look at Romans. Turn to your left again. Or sorry, your right. Trying to transpose to Romans 15. Verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Meditate on scriptures. And I can't tell you how important this is as uh as elders we have just uh we have created a a form that on a weekly basis we are going to hold each other accountable to and one of the questions one of the first questions was this week have you had i'm gonna screw up how it's exactly worded but deep meaningful a deep meaningful prayer and devotional life Has that been part of your week? Have you had a deep, meaningful, devotional life where you're in the Word and you're memorizing Scripture? 
Because if we're not doing it, how in the world do we expect the church to be doing it? Robert Murray McShane preached on uh, this very section of Scripture. And he said this to his congregation. Listen to this. About this idea of meditating and being in God's Word. When two travelers are going through the wilderness, you know which of them is thirsty by his always looking out for wells. So it is with thirsty believers. They love the Word. Read and preach. They thirst for it more and more. So it is with you, dear believing brethren. In Scotland, long ago, it used to be so. Oh, after the blessing was pronounced, the people would not go away till they heard more. Ah, children of God, it is a fearful sign to see you, to see little thirst in you. I do not wonder much when the world stays away from our meetings for the word and prayer. But ah, when you do, I'm dumb. My soul will weep in secret places for your pride. There's something that happens when you and I are not in the Word. We are, we are very quickly sucked into hopelessness. As Christians, our joy becomes quickly depleted. And our love for each other, especially our enemies and those difficult peoples in our life and our church, if we're honest, that love becomes few and far between and inauthentic. So Isaiah, I've gone too long in my intro, so I'll try to be as quick as possible because it's hot. Isaiah 44, there's two questions that we've got to ask. There's this promise that I will pour out water on thirsty land, streams on the dry ground. I'll pour my spirit upon the offspring and my blessing to your descendants. Who is this promise made to? Is question number one. And what is this promise? To answer the first question, the promise is not made to all Israelites, nor only to Israelites. Here, if you look at just that first section, it says, But hear now, O Jacob, my servant, Israel whom I've chosen. Thus says the Lord who who made you, who formed you in the womb, and will, will help you. Right there, it just sounds, it sounds pretty general. All of Israel, right? Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, the one who serves me. Jeshurun. That is a rarely used Hebrew word. It's basically this idea of my, my beloved one, my chosen one, my dear one, whom I have chosen. He says, listen, you, my upright, the one who is faithful, these promises are to you. Israel, if you are upright and you are following closely after God, these promises are to you. 
So it's not to all of Israel. It's to the faithful ones in Israel. But it's not only to just Israel. If you go on a little bit further, verse 5. This one will say, I am the Lord's. And another one will call on the name of Jacob. And another one will write on his hand, the Lord's. And another one, and name himself by the name of the Lord. If you read through commentators, the different commentators, this, many of them believe, is pointing towards the time when the gates of salvation are opening up to Gentiles. They are calling upon the name of the Lord. Back in my, uh, my young adult life, this, this phrase hit me hard about taking on the name of the Lord. It's really kind of the surname. My, I am identified with God. I, I am becoming His beloved. And I take on God's name to the point where on my right shoulder blade, I've got a tattoo in Hebrew saying, The Lord's saying, I belong to. And it's that constant reminder. You get out of the shower and you're, all of a sudden you go, it's right. It's a reminder. It's that constant reminder that I've called upon Him. I am His. He is mine. And there is a special bond between father and child. So who do these promises belong to? They belong to Israel. The faithful Israel. And they belong to us. Those who call upon God and trust Him fully with all of our lives. Where we submit our lives to Him and Him only. We trust fully on Him. So what is the promise? The promise, God promised this in the 8th century B.C. That the day was coming when he would fill his upright servants with himself. God is going to fill us with himself. And it's not just this idea of drizzling. Think last week Sunday. How many of you were here last Sunday? Okay, it was a downpour. It was, the wind was blowing and the rain was going like this. Bob Lang stood in the back and there was a puddle underneath him of just the water dripping off him. God is saying, listen, I am going to do what? Look at it. He says, I am going to pour water on you, thirsty people, dead, dead bones. I'm going to pour my spirit on you. And it is it is going to become like streams. You are going to be so filled. It's like, it, you are going to be saturated. Saturated. With my spirit. You are going to be so filled. God's pouring out corresponds to our being drenched or soaked or filled. In other words, God's promises a day when His people, His servants will be drenched. Drenched with the Spirit. 
And I'd argue ever since the day of Pentecost, when this prophecy received its inauguration, it has been for the church our duty to delight, to seek, and maintain the fullness of God's Spirit in our lives. It is our duty to delight in God's fullness in our lives. And one of the primary ways of doing that is meditating on His Word. Meditating on His Word. But what does this outpouring accomplish according to Isaiah? It says, verse 2, it says, Fear not. Our fears are to be taken away. When we are drenched with the Spirit, we are drenched with the assurance that Mondays are made in heaven just like Fridays. And we have nothing to fear. Relationships may be tense. Our health may be deteriorating. Our boss may be planning to get you out of Dodge. But... Whatever makes you anxious, whatever makes you anxious about tomorrow, we need to open our heart to the outpouring of God's Spirit because it removes fear. It also, our longing for God is deeply satisfied. In verse 3, it describes the effect of the outpouring in another way. It says, I will pour water on the thirsty, what does it say? The thirsty land. In the Hebrew, that word land is not there. So if if you look at the good old King James, it basically says, I will pour water on him that is thirsty. God, will pour out His Spirit on those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we will be what? We will be satisfied. As a dry ground is satisfied and brings life from the drenching of the sky, so our souls are deeply satisfied Satisfied in God when His Spirit is on us. Next, verse verse 4 describes another way, another effect of the outpouring of the Spirit. Verse 4 describes that, uh, that we will flourish. And it describes how we will flourish in verse 4. They will spring up. I love that. It's like this action word. They will spring up among the grass like willows, by flowing streams. There's this, this growth and flourishing that takes place. Turn to Psalm chapter 1. Psalms, Proverbs. Anybody know where it is? Can I go middle? Impress how many of you have this memorized. Psalm 1. And it describes... 
describes a man who is right there. He is, he's planted by this stream of water. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of scoffers, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, sinners or scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. What does he do? And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Being rooted deeply in God's Word, where we find the hope, where God communicates and re-communicates His promises to His people. As we meditate on this, as the Spirit fills us like this stream that is just flowing, constantly flowing by. And you notice where He's planted? Right there. And His roots are going deep and soaking it all in. And what happens? In all that He does, He prospers. He bears fruit in all that He does. But what happens with that? We just enjoy our Jesus time. We've got this devotional. Maybe you're reading through a women's Bible thing or a guy's thing. Or you're reading A Counterfeit God by Tim Keller. And it's like, oh, it's good stuff. And you get all this kind of stuff. Does it damn up? Are you just so full of the Spirit that you're just getting more full and more full and more full, a natural effect should be what? That it flows out. Out of God's richness in our life. Out of His His filling of our lives with His Spirit. Or do we believe that God only has enough to fill about this much? This is all I've got. This is all that God's given me for the day. God is the giver of all good and perfect gifts and He is the God that has created the whole universe and He says, I am making my dwelling in you. God so fills us that it overflows in love. If you look in Isaiah 58, verse 11, He talks about how there is just this There's a spring of water. A spring. It's not a stagnant pool. But there's just this spring.